we actually keep track of how many times we have sex. So we had sex 217 times last year, the two of us. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their funny, sexy, and fascinating stories as they take us on their journey. We always strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy and positive approach to non-monogamy. However, everyone approaches it a little differently. And at its core, our show is about hearing, highlighting, and learning from the different experiences and approaches people have. With that in mind, it is important to remember that the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect those of our own. So sit back, relax, and just accept the fact that your time with us will be spent in an awkward turmoil of laughter and arousal. We should also let you know that this podcast will hopefully include some explicit language. If that kind of thing offends you, we suggest you keep listening until it no longer does. If you're under 18, you either need to stop listening or go get your parents and you can listen as a family. The choice is yours. Enjoy. Welcome to episode 20. We're Finn and Emma, and we realized that the last few weeks we forgot to introduce ourselves. Sorry about that. We were still Finn and Emma. We just didn't tell you we were Finn and Emma. That's true. Uh, Today we have a great interview with our friends over at Monogamish Marriage. They go by the the pseudonyms him and her on their blog, but on the podcast we call them Mike and Kate. Yeah, they're really great friends of ours now. We met them a few months back when we first started doing this, and they're awesome people. They're fascinating people. They're super positive. They have great energy. So you guys are going to love the show. Also, if you want to see some more of maybe what they look like, I really recommend heading over to Twitter and following them and following them. They have some sexy pictures of both of them, so definitely worth checking that out. We'll put links to their Twitter in the show notes. Another thing was right at the beginning of the show, we had that little clip about the 217, 218, 19, I think it's 19. 19. I could be wrong. It could be 217. I don't know. We, I don't, don't. we don't count. <laughs> we both listen I to can't it. count that high. <laughs> so... Anyway, we, we made reference to it, but then they were like, oh, we're going to talk about it, but we never talked about it. So if you want to hear the ins and outs of the data and how he kept the data, why, and all of the analysis behind it, we'll put a link to that blog post in our show notes as well. So you can you can dive into the numbers if you're a numbers people. Yes, exactly. And also we wanted to quickly mention again that we are going to Desire with Life on the Swing Set November 3rd through the 10th. We're really excited for this trip. They offer a great opening, open and uh, accepting environment for the whole week. There's a lot of activities and it's a really great time. So if you want to sign up, go to ssdesire.com. Yeah, they do a great job of throwing lots of activities. And this is the first year that they're allowing... uh, same-sex male couples. So there's going to be an awesome open group of people from all across the board. So we're we're really looking forward to it. Yep. One other quick note. Unfortunately, we mentioned a few weeks back that we had a new discount for everybody for stdtestexpress.com. Apparently, it seems as if they were acquired overnight and they basically shut down their site. We're not quite sure of all the details. It's a little murky, but... Yeah, it's a bummer. We are working now with a website called STD Check, and links will be in the show notes in the bottom of your little podcast player. 
Or you can find them on our resources page. And just a quick note, the process is exactly the same as what we described with STD Test Express. Yeah, it's, it's, it's essentially exactly the same model. You sign up online, you go to like a Quest or LabCorp, you get your test back in a day or two, and everything is pretty much easy peasy, yep. lemon squeezy. If you want a $10 discount, use the links on our website. And we're working on trying to get that discount higher, but no guarantees right now since the relationship is pretty new with these guys. But yep. seem like a great company and we're excited to work with them and hopefully bring you some updates on that. Yeah, you can, again, reminder, find us on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. So without any more rambling on, let's yeah. head over to the interview. Let's go. Chocolate on, I have chocolate on my face. Uh-huh. And we were eating cookies before this. You guys went to the gym and we were eating cookies. <laughs> we had one cookie. We didn't, eat, we didn't eat multiple cookies. All right. Do you want me to start? Yep. <laughs> that's, that's rare. Okay. Uh, thanks, guys, for joining us. We're excited to have you on. I think you're the first Canadian couple we've talked to, which is exciting. Uh, do you mind giving us a little introduction of who you are and uh, maybe age range and what you're... And maybe some of the things that you guys are into outside of yeah. the non-monogamy world as much as you're comfortable sharing, and then we'll dig in from there. Right. So I'm Mike. And I'm Kate. And we write the Monogamish Marriage blog. Under the pseudonyms him and her. Yes. Awesome. Well, we will we will link to that and give you guys lots of credit for it because you guys write some awesome articles. So yeah, thanks for, sure. for, for doing that as well. Um, Thank you. So you guys are both hobbyist writers and based on your gym attire, gym aficionados and fitness <laughs> gurus. Yeah, it's funny how the, the blog came up because Kate is writing a book and it's her first book and she realized or got some advice at some point that people are going to ask, obviously, what else have you written? And she thought, I haven't written anything except school essays. So so the idea of a blog came up and then we thought, what will we write about that's not boring that we would actually want to read about? So that's kind of we backed into being lifestyle bloggers. The problem is the topic we chose is not something we can really talk about all yes. that often. So when I talk to editors or publishers, I kind of have to feel out, you know, are they going to be okay with the fact that the other thing I've written is about sex? Um, so <laughs> it was kind of a risky choice. I don't know if it's going to play out, but um, that's what we did. Right. Although it might be a nice segue because you've actually admitted that you would exchange a blow job for a publishing deal. Oh, sure. So that would <laughs> kind of be a nice way of looking at that regard. <laughs> if you like my blog, Maybe you'll be interested in some publishing incentives. <laughs> or maybe I don't that think... will immediately disqualify you from publishing in Canada ever. So we'll have to feel that out. In the Me Too era. Yeah. <laughs> well, no no comment on that. I, don't... <laughs> I might start a publishing company, though, unless I'm considering it. Uh, so did the, did the world of non-monogamy precede the blog, or did you guys start getting into non-monogamy as a topic for creating a blog? No, we're not, um, we're not that ambitious. We did, (laughs) I I brought non-monogamy with me from my previous relationship. So I had, um, had threesomes with my best friend and my ex-husband. And when my, um, marriage ended, I kept her with me. And so we had sex a few times in my, you know, in between relationships, 
um, period. So when Mike and I got together on our very first lunch, I said, um, you know, one of the conditions of us being together is that I like sleeping with my best friend and I would like to continue doing that. Right. And, and then he, I, I gently came in my pants. And then, <laughs> wonderful. And, uh, I, I like hockey. So. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a, not a bad surprise for the first date. So no, it was superb. Because actually, because we've been acquaintances for a long time and I didn't know much beyond the surface about her. So I knew she was pretty. I knew she was a good singer because we had met in a music um, kind of setting. And but if she had said to me, you know, I think sex is overblown. It's not that big a deal. Nothing that I knew about her would have contradicted that. So sure. it was a really, really nice surprise to find out that the opposite was the case. So coming coming from previous relationships on your side, had you had any experience in this, the non-monogamy world? No, not even close. Not, I was not ethical non-monogamy. What do you mean by that? <laughs> well, he, in his 26-year almost sexless marriage, did have a couple of long-term affairs, which we've written about, so right. it's not a surprise. Um, so he was into non-monogamy, but his ex didn't really know. Right. And, yeah, so those were like, sequ- I was having sequential twosomes, is I guess how you would describe it. So, <laughs> But there were no threesomes in my past at all, let alone foursomes or moresomes. <laughs> And so, so probably hearing from Kate that this was something she was into, was that, I guess, obviously a welcome thing. How did you guys start exploring that together and has it, has it evolved over time? Well, it was actually more than welcome for me. It was because I had decided that if I was ever going to be in a long-term relationship, if I was going to leave my marriage, if I was going to um, start with someone else, that um, everything had to be on the table. So... It's not that everything had to be permissible, but I had to be in a relationship where I felt like I could say literally anything and um, and not that she would have to do it, but that it would be something that we could talk about at least because that was not the case in my marriage. So so it was really good news for me. And so from there, it was just you know, we had all of our, I guess what poly people call new relationship energy. So we were enjoying each other a lot um, mm-hmm. at the beginning and continue to. And we've got the numbers to back that up, which we'll probably get into later. But, <laughs> but it was probably within the first year, I would say that, oh, probably a little bit less than the first year when you talked about bringing your friend into our relationship. Oh, yeah. It was in like the first four months. Yeah, that sounds right. A couple months (laughs) later, we went to a club for the first time. And then a few months after that, we went to Hito for the first time. So all within the first year of our relationship, we just we dove right in. Yeah. So I'm curious, the name of the the blog you write is the, the Monogamish Marriage, which would lend one to think that you guys are mostly monogamous with some blurred lines. Is that it sounds like it's more... More than that, I guess, from what I'm hearing, even right out of the get-go, being going to Desire or Hito, I'm sorry, and to mm-hmm. clubs and stuff is slightly more than just monogamish, I guess, depending on also, how you define Also, they're damn it. savage fans. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. So that's where the word comes from, and we give him credit, like, in the first blog. Mm-hmm. But 
as I mentioned, we actually keep track of how many times we have sex. So we had sex 217 times last year, the two of us. So I have not tallied up how many times we had sex with other people, but it wasn't even remotely close. So I think statistically speaking, the monogamish <laughs> label actually fits really well. So we probably had sex with other people. I don't know. We had it 12 times last year. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. So it's under 10%. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like most people, when you first get into the lifestyle, there's this enthusiasm to just ex experiment and try everything. And, um, you know, when you first get onto uh, a lifestyle website, you know, you, you're on there all the time and you're constantly going on dates and meeting new people. And, and then gradually that energy kind of fades and you get back to real life and realize this can't be our priority all the time. You know, we have jobs, we have kids, we have each other, and all of those things are way more important. So I think it's um, it's something that we were very enthusiastic about at the beginning, and then it's just kind of um, turned into something that's a part of our life, but not the biggest part. Right. right. But having said that, a super important part, like, I think if either of us went together and said, you know what, I'd like to not do this anymore. For one, it would mean the end of our blog, which has become like our little baby. So that would be hard. <laughs> and... Um, uh, but also, I think it's it's a big part of how we relate to each other, how we relate to the future, how we um, we think about our relationships. So, and our our social circle is yes. almost exclusively lifestyle people. So to go to those people and say we still want to be friends, but we don't actually want to touch you <laughs> anymore, it might be weird. Right. So, well, you guys so have started your relationship kind of. Uh, with non-monogamy on the table and he said you jumped in pretty quickly so I think that kind of makes sense um yeah. that it's it was part of your relationship from the beginning why not keep going it, since it's working for you right so it sounds like based on your friendship circles you guys lean more towards making friends and and having the benefits on the side you're not necessarily like a one-off type situations is that pretty accurate Absolutely. Yeah, we're definitely friends with benefits kind of swingers. And um, sometimes the benefits disappear and we're still friends with the people. So so that's that's a priority. But if you took the sex out completely, it wouldn't be the same anymore. Like it's even though it's not the main thing. And if you look at all the lifestyle activities, if you could somehow tally up the time spent, a small part of it's having sex. But if you took that small part away, the whole castle would collapse, I think, yeah. because... It's it's the catalyst, I guess, for sure. what we do. Yeah. So that that's not part of your spreadsheet calculation within the other numbers. <laughs> no, but I'm now thinking of adding another column based on this. <laughs> so, I, I wanted through intensive research. <laughs> I wanted to ask too. Um, you mentioned that you know some of your relationships are started with friends with benefits, and then the benefits disappear. Have, do you guys have any advice for how people can kind of handle that transition? If there's a case where you want to just move into the friendship realm, but the other people might not want to, and how do you handle those conversations? Well, it's interesting because we've had it work both ways. So that best friend who I um, came into the relationship with, she has since gotten married and her husband is not into non-monogamy. So we've had to um, you know, continue our friendship without the sexual aspect, which for a while was pretty important to us. Um, but we're still really close. And when we hang out, there's still a lot of um, affection and we still touch and hug and occasionally kiss. And when they come over, we swim naked in the pool. So um, it's kind of a, a wonderful, free-flowing 
thing where, you know, the line does get um, drawn at sex, but there's still a lot of um, freedom between us and um, we still love each other. And yeah. yeah, and we took it very well. Like, I don't think it was hard to take. And we're not immune to having immature reactions to um, rejection or even lack of enthusiasm from other people. <laughs> but in this case, we really got that um, her, her, her husband's feelings about it, that they were legit and the affection was still there. But we've had to make the same kind of transition with other couples. And I'm so I'm thinking of one couple in particular where it was a little bit tough, not terrible, not like there was a big showdown or that, but we started by just kind of avoiding situations that would lead to sex. We'd say, hey, let's get together on Saturday. And so we'd say, oh, let's go to this movie at seven o'clock. And it's late enough that it's easy at the end to say, hey, we're just going home now. So it's not, you know, that's not a, uh, directly addressing it like maybe mature adults would. But yeah. we did that. But eventually they kind of said something. Well, they said, so are, are you not um, swinging anymore? And we kind of said, well, we're taking a bit of a step back, which was true at that point. Um, we were dealing with um, a couple of deaths in the family and just a lot was going right. on. So we weren't actually sleeping with anyone else. Um, so at the, at the time, it was true. And um, they just accepted that and we've continued to be friends. But we've we've never been completely honest with them that we love you guys as people, but sexually it wasn't quite working for us. So we didn't have that painful conversation. We managed to kind of get around in a mostly honest way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, those are very hard conversations to have. And I don't I think it was a great question because I don't know that we know really the best way to handle that. I mean, it's I think every situation is different and you just kind of have to figure right. it out. But. I mean, you want to be upfront with people for sure, but you also want to respect others' feelings. And I think you need to think about it from both points of view. And, you know, if somebody were to tell you that, how would you want them to say that? And at the other, t- you know, at the same time, you need to be honest about how you're feeling too. So, yeah. and it, I mean, it's dealing with rejection, right, in life, and it's not an easy thing. But it's something that, at least in non-monogamy, sometimes you do have to deal with, and well, and monogamous relationships too. <laughs> so, yeah, one of the things that I I try to do at the beginning of a relationship, which I actually got from my business life. So, in a business situation, I'll often say to customers, "We're the easiest company in the world to say no to. What I'm suggesting doesn't work for you." please don't work with us. Go find someone. And it makes it, I, I find um, counterintuitively that I get more business that way because once people can let their guard down that they know no is easy, they become way more open to yes. And I think in a lifestyle situation, I like to say, by the way, if at some point you're just not feeling it anymore, even if you don't know why, we're the easiest people to say no to. Just tell us you won't be hurt. We won't try to talk you back into something that you're not enthusiastic for. And when we say that to them, what do they say next? They say, oh, and of course, you can say the same thing to us if that yeah. ever comes. So there's at least it's on the table. It's not uncontemplated when it comes up. So that doesn't it isn't a perfect way, but it gets it into the conversation. Yeah, no, I yeah. think that's a really important point and a good way to handle it is up front when you're meeting people, just put that on the table. Because, you know, sexual chemistry is different for everybody and you can love someone as a person, but then when you try to get the bedroom with them, it just doesn't work. So I also wanted to back up a minute. Um, you said, how long was it when you started, I guess you started a relationship and then you got into non-monogamy? How, where was, when did you decide in that time frame to start the blog? Uh, the blog started 
two years and three months ago. So that would be probably about three years into it. Okay. So we bank three years of experience to draw from in our writing. Yeah, that's why I was curious. Like how much experience did you have to start writing about? Right. We found that almost all of our conversations when we were alone revolved around the lifestyle or the people we'd met or the relationships we had observed or the things that we had, um, you know, observed in ourselves and our relationships. So we were just talking about it all the time and found it a really rich um, source of conversation and growth. And we thought, how can we share this with people? Like we would love to be able to tell our kids. Mike's kids are in their twenties and um, you know, they are out in the world um, in relationship and we'd love to be able to give them some tips about alternate ways of being and to let them know that monogamy isn't the only option. Um, but we just didn't feel like we could tell them. So we thought, well, who else could we tell? We could tell strangers anonymously. <laughs> so, so that's how it began. Right. Uh, on that note, are you guys out to anybody in your personal lives or have you guys largely kept the two pretty segregated? Well, I'm a bit of a loose-lipped um, person, especially when I So um, I've told more people than I probably should. <laughs> so I would say almost all of my friends know and um, most of my siblings know. Um, my kids don't and my parents don't, and I would like to keep it that way. <laughs> Right. And I tell my business partner, because we have a mutually assured destruction kind of relationship in all dimensions. So our sex lives just get thrown into that um, hmm. as part of the way you relate to each other. But I don't I don't drink and I'm very <laughs> I'm very tight with information. So no one knows. Probably okay. under would know. Okay. How did yeah, how out at my work when I told one person who I thought I could trust and the information was just too juicy. So she went the next day and told someone else who told someone else. And all of a sudden it was all around my work. So that was a pretty terrible experience. And I had to try to shut that down and just deny that I had anything to do with the blog. Um, so yeah, so that was rough. Yeah. Hmm. How did your how did your friends and siblings siblings take the news or were they pretty supportive? Um, well, my friends were well so many of our friends are lifestyle people to begin with um and then my best friend well she knew because she was involved <laughs> in them. yeah so there were really only a couple other people um to tell and um I don't know I guess I I just I, I think I broke it to them when I was telling them about the blog so I said you know I'm writing this blog it's on non-traditional relationships and a couple of people said well what does that mean exactly and I said well, it's consensual non-monogamy. And there was just kind of a silence around the table. It's like These are mom friends, right? They were all like, huh, okay. And then one of them asked, what does that mean? And the other one said, think about it, consensual non-monogamy. And she's like, oh. <laughs> so it was, it was an awkward-ish moment, and I haven't spent as much time with those people lately as I used to. So, and for your siblings, because you, you guys grew up in a really sex-positive home, I think they didn't even blink. Yeah. I think, you know, it, it's funny because we, we were religious growing up, and um, you would think that that would lead to kind of a stilted approach to sex. But um, my parents were strangely religious and very sex-positive. 
of course, for them, it was always, you know, within marriage, sex is wonderful. Um, but yeah, my siblings are all pretty liberal and, um, you know, I didn't tell them that we were swingers. I said that we went on lifestyle vacations, that we vacationed at hedonism and that I like being naked and sometimes I like having sex in front of other people. And they were like, oh, okay, that's cool. <laughs> and that was it. Yeah, I mean, that's kind <laughs> Even of... Even my uh... ex-husband knows. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of a, a safe way to present it. That, you know, we go to a nudist resort or we go to something like that and... Maybe they assume stuff like that happens, but it's mm-hmm. not. And you kind of feel it out slowly. Well, it's not a bad strategy, I guess. No, not at all. It sounds like you guys both came from previous, well, obviously you guys both came from previous marriages. What do you think some of the benefits to this relationship has been that you could attribute to having an open marriage? I was thinking that the one thing that was important before I knew that Kate would be my wife even was that I have a partner who um, I could say anything to. So, And the reason was not just because I have a need to express myself, but because um, I felt that secrets were a big danger in a marriage. And so, and I came from a marriage where I had a lot of secrets and it's, it's exhausting and it's just obviously not good for the connection between two people. So, so being able to say, you know, from at the simple level, like I find him attractive or, um, or where find her attractive or look at that person to, you know, I'd really like to see you in a gangbang scenario, <laughs> even though I say that, and I, I don't like the word gangbang, but I'd like to see you with lots of really nice guys <laughs> gangbang is more efficient but that's really that's my gang that's my gangbang fantasy i want to see we, her with a lot of really nice respectable men having so sex we, we have a we have a friend who's coined the term cox galore because she doesn't she doesn't like the word gangbang either so All right. we're trying to push that one out into the world for yep. them. <laughs> we've now adopted it cox galore <laughs> yeah yeah well kate's version of it is she wants to be a party favor at one of our parties. Mm-hmm. So where all the males invited are screened because she likes them and finds them attractive. So whoever wants to partake, there's no problem. Just tie me up and blindfold me and do anything you want. Yeah. So, sounds hey, like a going- fun party. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. So now we're, we're looking at each other and saying, what was the question? I know where we ended oh, up. Well, we I was going to say, so bringing that back, I guess, was the question was about, Benefits. The benefits to your relationship, and you are going into the openness of conversation. I'm assuming that's not a conversation you would normally have with your spouse that right. you wouldn't feel comfortable saying, yeah, no, I'd love to have a party where everybody has sex with me. Right. <laughs> no, under so. normal circumstances, that would not be cool. No, I was anxious to have a party where I could just have sex with my wife in my previous marriage. So, <laughs> so yeah, a, cool, a whole order of magnitude beyond what I was used to. Yeah. All right. Right. Have, has there been a time? I mean, it sounds like most of your guys' experience have been very positive. Have there been any points along the way where you've thought, you know, I want to keep the open conversation, but we need to step back from the actual physical partaking of non-monogamy with other people? Right. I don't know. Like, aside from the time that Kate mentioned when both of my parents passed away in very short order. So it was just the most natural thing in the world to pull back a little bit. 
But other yeah. than that, um, there hasn't been a time when our appetite has been diminished. And the one I feel really lucky because we seem to have identical appetites for non-monogamy, unless Kate's really faking it and um, just bursting for more or praying for less. Um, <laughs> we, um, we seem to want it the same amount. So sometimes we'll look at each other and say, do you want to go to the club this week? And she'll go, well, I do if you do. And I'll say, well, do you really? And anyway, we end up not going to find out we both would prefer to be on the couch that evening. Um, yeah. Likewise, when we say have a pool party, so we've got a pool party coming up soon. It's a naked pool party. And um, we're both equally enthusiastic. I can tell she brings it up as often as I do. But we have had some, you know, speaking actually of those pool parties, we've had some negative experiences along the way. And it's almost like um, that freedom that you have in the lifestyle can bring out your best self. But in, we've definitely seen cases where it brings out a, a person's worst self as well. And some of these surprising ways. So we had a party where um, we had invited a couple who we really liked. He was so nice. And we'd met them at Hedonism and played with them a bit there. But um, after drinking a bit, he just did some inexplicable things. Um, <laughs> like I'm, three different times, he started to have sex with me without a condom. Right. And each time with more and more forcefulness, I said, you need a condom. Stop. You need a condom. Stop right now. You have to get a condom. Don't do that again. And um, and he was going around like squirting lube on people. He was just being really Yeah, weird. that's the inexplicable <laughs> part. The no condom thing. I get it. It's <laughs> terrible behavior, but I get it, what it is. Um, but the lube thing, I was having sex with his wife. And so if you can picture us, we're kind of in a version of the missionary position. <laughs> and he walks up behind us. And I'm, kind of, I'm aware of him in the periphery. And all of a sudden, I feel this wetness that's like either, no, she couldn't have squirted from that direction. It was, I turned around and it's him with like a, like a ketchup bottle dispenser of lube and he's squirting it, arcing through the air onto my ass and her private parts. And Maybe he had something in mind. Yeah, I don't, I can't, can you imagine what he had in mind? I don't think well, I. Well, if he's squirting it on your ass. Oh, that he was thinking of joining in and making a threesome? Yeah, I don't think so. I think it was just, it was pure weirdness. Like, in his drunken state, he somehow thought that was the coolest thing to do. So, he anyway, was trying to be helpful, he, but not helpful at the same uh, time. He's not, they're not invited to parties anymore. So, um, yeah, they got disqualified. Yeah, and then the no condom thing is just, is so boorish. You wonder that you would have to explain that to any human being in the Western world. But right. there are. Following up on the note you just said about condoms, how do you guys handle safety uh, and safe sex in having an open relationship? Well, condoms are, are kind of non-negotiable for, um, for more casual hookups. The only time we made an exception was um, we had a, a male threesome partner who was actually an ex-boyfriend of mine who we had an ongoing sexual relationship with for about a year and a half. And so I really trusted him because I had dated him. He's also a doctor and he's very concerned with health and cleanliness. Um, so we just agreed that when it was the three of us, that we wouldn't have to worry about condoms with him. And he wasn't um, having sex with anyone else. And yeah. so 
yeah, so there was that situation. So we're open to that happening again because it's really nice with no condoms. But obviously, it's really crappy having an STD. So I've never experienced it. <laughs> I'm hoping never to. So, but if, if we can find a circumstance where we can draw the circle around three people or four people, and we know there's nothing else coming in from the outside, then we'd be open to it again. Well, that would be the ideal, right? To have another couple that you feel so comfortable and confident with that you could just have that freedom. But most of the time, it's not that way. So right. uh, it's never, ever been that way with anyone else. Right. Just that <laughs> right. one person. Yeah, that would be our, our ideal. But anyway, it's not happened. So, um, yeah, so we use condoms every time. Sometimes that makes it hard for performance issues. You know, when you're, um, you know, you're a little worried about keeping hard, just that few seconds of having to reach for the condom and put it on can mean the difference between success and failure um, yeah, for right. the guy. I get that um, for a lot of men, it's not ideal. And, um, and I feel for them, but you know, we're not going to compromise on our safety. So right. yeah. that's. Yeah. I was actually thinking about this the other day. And one tip that I always had kind of had in the back of my mind was if you're starting to get into this and you've maybe been with your partner for 20 years and you've never worn a condom for that long and you're like, well, we want to start going down this road, like start wearing them, start practicing with your partner, start getting used to it again before you're called up to the major leagues and you've got you've to perform for real. So I don't know. That was just something that popped into my head a couple of days ago and I was like, oh, I need to make sure I get that in on the podcast. So <laughs> thanks for the opportunity. <laughs> I gave the exact same advice to my teenage son. So, yeah. so he had been dating his girlfriend for like a year and I was like, so condoms, you know, you're going to need those. So I bought him a bunch and I said, when you're alone in your room, you know, doing what you do, try them on, you know, make sure you know how to get them on, make sure you can, you know, figure it out quickly and easily so that in the moment it's going to yep. be for you to do and uh he was mortified of course but, but Un- said, until know. it actually happens and he's like oh shit mom was right she knows what she's talking <laughs> about <laughs> so no that's excellent advice too yeah even if you're doing it on your own i mean mm-hmm. practice makes perfect or at least as close <laughs> as you can get to it so i was curious so you guys just mentioned too that your ideal would be potentially finding some longer term partners that you could get to the point where you don't have to to use condoms or protection. Are you guys considering sort of, I don't know if evolving is the right word, but moving towards more of a polydynamic, or do you think you'll continue more of the swinger-type dynamic? Well, I don't think we would ever want to rule anything out from the outset. I think right now the idea of a poly relationship doesn't appeal to us because we just, you know, we love each other so much and we um, get so much fulfillment from being together. Um, we don't have tons of free time. So to try and maintain another relationship um, just sounds kind of onerous right now. It doesn't sound appealing. Um, but I can imagine if we were to find the right couple, that could be a pretty fulfilling um, dynamic. So if I just think of, you know, me and my best friend, how much um, like being with her felt right and easy and bringing her into, um, you know, the bedroom with Mike was just, it was so fun and loving and um, organic. Um, It would be pretty amazing to find that with another couple. 
But I imagine well, that would be pretty tricky. Yeah, and I think too, it, um, this is where the whole issue of labels comes in. So mm -hmm. classifying ourselves as swingers and then considering changing our label to poly mm -hmm. is kind of a artificial construct that we would apply from the outside. Really what we want to do is just keep doing cool stuff. <laughs> and and we've seen changes in what constitutes cool stuff for us already. And I imagine we'll continue to see changes. And at some point we might look back and go, you know what you could almost call what we're doing now, Polly, couldn't you? And go, yeah, it kind of does seem like that. But I think that's the way it would happen for us, not because we would make a conscious decision sure. to make change in our approach. So yeah, we're just open to doing cool things with cool people. But ultimately, our relationship is of paramount importance. Yes. So we want to make sure that we nurture that, take care of that, um, because we've both been through divorces and we never want to do that again. Um, so we want to make sure that we are healthy and um, put each other first. Right. And um, right now, swinging, and you know, nobody loves labels, but we'll call it that, right. um, is the best way to augment our relationship, to have fun together, to keep our sex life um, spicy and alive. But at the end of the day, we're always with each other. We come home together and we do life together. So we don't really feel like we need any more, um, you know, emotional augmentation. It's just the sexual um, excitement that is is what we're after right now. And of course, with the benefit of liking people socially and having intellectual conversations and, you know, being interested in their lives beyond just sexually, um, yep. all yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think we completely agree on a lot mm -hmm. of that, that it's, you know, whatever happens, happens, but for us, it's about meeting the right people, having the right, whatever dynamic it is forms out of that and just take it as it comes. So that's, yeah, no, I would completely agree. Uh, I wanted to touch on. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, if you have something to say, go ahead. Um, even on the practical level, we we've met lots of people that we love and have had sex with, and I don't think we've had sex with anyone more than three times. Would you say that's the case? Yeah. So, and, and that just shows that some often just the logistics are so hard to continue to find people that you know that that constant search in the lifestyle of you know two people who find two other people equally attractive super hard to do that anyone who's dated one person knows it's hard to find one person you're attracted to right so so you take that difficulty and then you get life schedules and geographic location and some people are awesome and then they move like around the world to a completely different place <laughs> and so um so you take all those things together so even if we decided we wanted to be poly like we we haven't been able to find even a consistent swinging experience, even though we've met lots of great people and had great connections. So, hmm. so it would, uh, the universe would really have to line up in a very specific way for that to even be possible, but we're open to it. Right. Right. I was curious, uh, along the lines of being open, it sounds like going into this, Kate had explored her sexuality some with having her best friend and also being married to a man has there been further exploration on either on Kate's behalf or on your behalf, Mike? Of what specifically? On, on the sexuality. So whether it's being bi-curious or bisexual or... Because oh, it's like everything else, it's in the blog. <laughs> which I'll just make a little sidebar for a second. 
we've sometimes shared the blog with people that we're going to get together with sexually. And I realize when we do that, we are sharing a hot, I don't know, what is it now? It's about 100,000 words worth of our deepest, darkest secrets and experiences. The other couple just gets to know. And if we spent a week with them hearing every story they had, they wouldn't know, we wouldn't know as much about them as they know about us. Yeah. So, so it's, so the blog is kind of a place where we let everything out. And one of those things is kind of my by curiosity. So it's interesting because, you know, if you read about it, people say, or they used to say a lot, oh, bisexual males are just gay males who haven't fully come out to themselves yet. And um, I really get, and I've seen in other guys, a kind of a curiosity for certain kinds of experiences with another guy. Whereas if you said, well, what if you just went on a date with a guy and had full on sex? I just feel like that doesn't actually appeal to me at all. Mm-hmm. But um, so the other, the but other the thought side of putting a man's cock in your mouth, that's kind of sexy. Yeah. But you know, then it, even then it's the right cock, like connected <laughs> to the right man with the right energy and the right relationship. So I could look at, so we have gay friends, men that we think are just awesome, but I'm not sexually attracted to any of them. And the males I've been sexually attracted to, are not the males I am aesthetically attracted to. So I can look, I can be walking down a street and go, holy fuck, that man is beautiful. But I'm not sexually attracted to him at all. I'm just, I'm just aesthetically attracted. I just think bone structure, whatever is great. So, but there are specific situations where I feel that. And then the other thing that's really exciting for me in that regard is that it turns Kate on so much. So we're so used to, um, men saying, so I think back to that friends episode where they paid, um, Rachel and what's Monica? Cox, Monica. Rachel, Monica. Oh yeah. The kiss. Yeah. The best. Right. And that was a big, I feel like that was a big cultural moment. That was saying something out loud that hadn't been said out loud before in the culture, but for her, it, it works exactly the same way in reverse. Seeing two men together, like just turns her on like crazy. And that extends to me. So so I have that kind of energy coming into the experience. So I've had some experiences with men, and and that's a part that I'm excited about developing in the future. But it's very idiosyncratic in terms of how it happens. So I can, I can give you an example if you want. One example? Sure. I don't think anybody would complain. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the threesome partner that we were talking about, um, so um, Kate's ex-boyfriend. So we're kind of taking turns with her. So I'm in her. And then because my sexual fantasies are always super polite sexual fantasies, I'll say to him, Hey, do you want to take a turn? And he says, no, no, you keep, you look like you're doing well. I said, no, you take a turn. So anyway, he takes a turn. It's also because you guys are Canadian and you can't just. (laughs) Yeah. That's too nice. That's true too. Yeah. That niceness has permeated right through to my, even my libido is super nice. Um, So, but then, at a certain point, I was um, I was stroking her clit while his cock was in her. So it was nice kind of touching his cock in a little way. It was like a super turn on. And then he started doing it while I was having sex with her. So I could tell he was enjoying the exact same thing that I was. We didn't say anything about it. Like, hey, is this okay for you? It was just kind of just kind of happened in slow motion. And it was very... You know, like it's super low key. If you think of bi experiences, that's kind of be kind of one on the one to one hundred scale of bi experimentation. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but it was beyond hot. It was super hot. I could tell it was for him. So we. So I've done other things too. So I've sucked a man's cock before, and but that little 
edging in carefully thing was was hotter than sucking a man's cock. Just that little bit of contact. So I'm open to whatever form it takes. And because of my personality, probably an incremental approach like that is going to work way better for me. Right. Well, I think it would be, if, if anybody was to ever come at and say, uh, well, you've done that, so you're obviously gay. I mean, that's, for one, not that there's anything wrong with being gay, but it's, clearly you have 217 data points from 2017 to prove that <laughs> You probably enjoy having sex with women just as much or probably more. More, yeah. Right. And just getting back to the labels thing, too. I don't care. I frankly wish I was gay. I think I could get a lot of awesome sex if I was gay. But <laughs> he has a great yeah. ass. <laughs> but I'm you just, do. But you do have a great ass, just chiming in there. <laughs> it's been all over Twitter lately. Yeah, that's the 30 days of lingerie. Lingerie. Yeah. Well, no, I'm talking about your ass right now. So mm. anyway, um, <laughs> But it, it's, um, but I don't care about labels. I don't care at all. I would have a, I would have a gangbang with five men tomorrow mm-hmm. if I thought it would turn me on more. It just, it doesn't. So I just a do cock what galore, I'm, by the way. So cock yes, galore. Okay. <laughs> I would do cock galore. Uh, no problem. But uh, yeah, it's just, it's not what I want at this moment. So, so yeah, I just do what I want. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's a I mean that's an awesome attitude. Yeah, exactly. I think that's completely fair and I think that's a great way to approach it. So In fact, I think being gay is cooler like <laughs> So I actually wish I was gay in that sense. I probably I'm I pay attention to how I dress, but I'd probably dress even better if I was gay. So <laughs> So, but I just that's I just don't meet the criteria at the moment. <laughs> I, I know I probably would, but that's only cuz I couldn't dress any worse Aww. if I tried. So. <laughs> that's just cuz you have like five shirts. <laughs> I'm half dressed. <laughs> so. Oh yeah, Finn doesn't have any pants on. It's <laughs> usual. Uh. That's how we like him. Yeah. So if you're wondering where that scintillating energy or conversation came from, you listeners, that's what it is. <laughs> no pants. Approached no interviewing. <laughs> I had a question that we've never asked anyone, and a Ooh. brand new question. If hey. you could, if you could change one thing about the swinging and non-monogamy world, what would it be? Well, I just wish it was more readily accepted. Um, So I wish we could be honest. I wish we could tell our kids and our parents and um, and not feel ashamed or fearful um, because it's so healthy and it's so positive. And, you know, people from the outside make assumptions about you know, maybe our relationship is in trouble or maybe we have a sexual addiction or maybe crazy depraved things happen. But when you get to the inside, like so many things, you realize people are just people no matter where they are and people are decent and kind and respectful. And um, that applies to the lifestyle as well. And so I just wish people could um, see it for what it actually is um, and not make all these dirty assumptions about it from the outside so that we could maybe proselytize a little bit more and and let them know the good news that you know this thing exists and it's wonderful and it doesn't mean the end of your relationship in fact it means you know this kind of wonderful rebirth of your relationship um so yeah i wish we could just tell more people yeah Yeah. because we're writers so i'm always thinking symmetrically so now kate just handled the external environment what would she change about that in relation to swinging so i'm thinking here my mind is going what would i change about within the swinging world and honestly i think nothing 
Like the fact that there are human beings who sometimes do dopey things like squirt lube on people <laughs> in the middle of sex. If I said, I wish that would change. Well, that just means I wish there weren't actual live human beings in the lifestyle. And yeah. because there are, you know, our negative experiences are very like mild. They're, they haven't been problematic. Sometimes they're just anecdotally funny, like the experience we had with that guy. And so I think inside the lifestyle, I wouldn't change a lot. We've, it's just, it's been so fulfilling. And one of the ways that I would, me- that's really measurable is to say, you know, we had to, when we started our marriage, rebuild our social life. And so we had three things, very involved in the music world. So that was a potential source of friends, very involved with my alma mater, at university. So that was a real source of friends. And then the lifestyle. And when we compare where our social energies go, it's not even close. And we have friends from those two other worlds, but it doesn't compare even remotely to the number and the quality of relationships we've developed in the lifestyle. So yeah, wish I could come up with something to change, but it's it's all good. Pretty content. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess I wish we didn't have to worry about STDs. I wish we could just like go around and lick and suck and fuck without actually having to think about like right. condoms because okay. that would make our Cox galore experience way easier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I no. can't, can't argue yeah, with that. Exactly. I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really nice. Yeah, that's I, just a reordering of nature. So I don't think that's too hard. So we'll right. genetically buy the universe and uh, it'll be awesome. Yeah. I, you mentioned that your your time spent in your sort of your three legged social group is heavily on the your swinging side. Do you think that is? I don't know the best way to ask it. That did that just develop naturally because that's where you guys seem to make the most genuine friends, or was it was there something else driving that? Well, I think. Um you know, for someone like me who has trouble not being a hundred percent honest all the time, um, it's, uh, it's wonderful to be in conversation with people that you don't feel guarded around where right. you can, um, start from a place of intimacy because you're already sitting across the table from people, you know, are non-monogamous. So they're already sharing some of their deepest secrets with you just by being there. So you can talk about sex and relationships Um, we can talk about the fact that, you know, that we've been divorced, that, that Mike had an affair and, um, you know, we feel like there's less judgment. There's more open-mindedness, more understanding, um, which is not universally true, of course, but, um, we've just found that the people we meet are so much more open and we start from this place of, um, connectedness and intimacy right from the beginning that, you know, it would take you years to get there with take you vanilla, never, vanilla take you friends never to get there. if you ever got there. Yeah. Right. Um, so I just I just like that I can be 100 percent myself and not have to hide anything or be guarded at all with people we meet. In the life but it happened completely organically. We were open yeah. to friends wherever they developed and um, they just all developed in one place. Not that we don't have friends in the other places, but there's no comparison. Sure. Yeah. And I think that's very true for us as well. Let's see. When you start to make friends in this lifestyle and you truly find friends, you're like, wow, these friends are awesome. I want more of these types of friends. Not that I don't like my other friends, but I can now tell these guys anything and we can talk about oh, yeah. anything. And it's like, well, that's what I want all my friendships to be. I wish I wish my other friendships were like that. And then you're caught in that like, well, do I tell my other friends? Maybe. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> 
So, right. yeah, that I think it is. It just sort of you start to gravitate that way and it just becomes lopsided by just sheer convenience of meeting the people that you actually feel the most comfortable with. Right. And it gets pretty awkward when with your vanilla friends, you start feeling like I'd really like to touch her boob. You know, it's just they're, they're not quite as open to it as lifestyle people are. And I frequently have that uh, that feeling, you know, I just yeah. I want to touch her boob. Because so. <laughs> she has feelings like that all the time. <laughs> I can get away with it way more easily with lifestyle people. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I wanted to ask you, so, you know, you guys have ha- talked about your benefits to your relationship. I'm sure there's been a couple, maybe not, but I'm sure there may have been a few challenges that you've experienced. Do you have any advice for people like to deal with Challenge that challenges they may encounter. Well, are you thinking opening? of a kind of challenge? Well, I guess have you guys have you guys experienced any hiccups or hurdles that you've had to overcome? And if so, how did you how did you approach those and yeah. how did you overcome those? Yeah, I can I can illustrate it with a story. So we were we had a party at our house and we were well along the lifestyle adventure and I was. Um, I was talking to a woman who I would say is not a type that I would, a type of person that I would normally be attracted to, but we got into this really interesting conversation about art and music and we're walking around and I said, Oh, you know what? I'm going to get something from upstairs to show you. So I got something from upstairs to show her. She'd been wearing a towel. When I come back, the towels around, not over her breasts anymore. It's around her waist. And so just in slow motion, we end up in a sexual situation that was, for me, fantastic. It was the most organic sexual experience um, that I had had in the lifestyle by far. And so then uh, a friend uh, came over and made the mistake of thinking, um, oh, there's Mike in a twosome. What could be more fun than adding my energy to it and turning it into a threesome? And um, and it was over. So this magical moment was over at that point. Um, but I was telling Kate about it after, and Kate was a little upset. Well, I think the source of my discomfort was that I didn't know this person. So she's one of the few people at the party who I um, hadn't met before. We had never played with. I hadn't even talked to her over the course of the evening. So I found out later, after the party was over, that um, Mike had been really close to having sex with her. And, um, And I felt like, hold on now. Like I was at this party and you didn't come and say, you know, I'm about to have sex with this girl that you've never met before. Is that okay? So for me, the source of my discomfort was, um, not knowing her, not understanding the dynamic between them and not having the chance to give my permission. So in every other situation, when we're playing together, obviously we both approve. We know the other couple, we understand the dynamic um, we're there, um, able to see and approve of everything that's going down. So it made me uncomfortable that I wasn't able to have my consensual say in it, I guess. Right. And we're talking to you now, having spent a lot of time discussing the situation, but in the moment, it's just like, I'm having this great experience and uh uh-oh, I'm finding out you're not cool with that. So we just spend a lot of time talking it through. And I think the the big thing was, you know, you hear people say, 
it's important that your relationship be strong. And I, you know, I really get that because our conversation starts from, I love you. I never want to hurt you. I've got this track record now of proving that that's true and that it's true of you to me as well. And so we had to go through this situation because I had some resentment. I feel like, wow, like things are really clicking for me in a very rare way. If you think putting on a condom is kind of a buzzkill, imagine searching the house to explain to your wife that something's about to happen, like it would have been over at that point. So we had to share those perspectives with each other and just come up with a plan for now, if something similar happened, what would we do? So, you know, you want to be able to discuss everything in advance, but of course it's life. You can't discuss everything in advance because you don't know what's coming your way and no one would want it to be any different because that's where the great experiences come from. So we had to just, um, to work our way through that, but even that's a positive. Yeah. And I think one of the things that stood out from one of your previous interviews, I think it was with the, um, swinging down under people was that you have to, um, kind of forgive each other in advance. I think he said that, um, and I thought that was wonderful because, you know, as you're exploring uncharted territory, you're going to occasionally make missteps and you're going to do things that maybe you didn't expect or, or maybe that hit you or your partner in unexpected ways. And you have to accept that risk at the beginning and be willing to work through it if there is any um, pain or jealousy and uh, forgive each other and move on because that's just part of the package that you signed up for. Yeah. And because there is a way to guarantee you'll never, ever, ever be hurt. And that is to sit on the couch every evening and watch TV. <laughs> and unless you take your choice of programs too seriously, you'll never, ever be hurt. <laughs> but then is that the kind of life that you want to live? And if you're going to live a life of some adventure, then you're going to scrape your knee every now and then. And if you yeah. know that, then you can handle it. Yeah, absolutely. I, just out of curiosity for anybody who's maybe found themselves in that same situation that you guys did or are concerned about that being a situation, what was your guys' resolution for that moving forward if if you find if either one of you found yourself in that situation in the future? The, for us, it was to say um, um, that we, in, in a party situation, to say that we have kind of everyone that we invite to the party is kind of fair game now. So mm-hmm. it's our, so we need to do that checking in advance with each other to say, are we okay with so-and-so? And then if something okay. would happen and um, then we can handle it. But if it were to happen, say at a sex club, well, it wouldn't happen with us at a sex club because we don't play separately at a sex club. So I think it was, it's only in a party situation where that could happen. Am I right with that? Yeah. And so when we host parties, we are now um, only inviting people that we've met before that we feel comfortable with. And then at the party, we have free agency. So we can each go off on our own with whoever appeals to us at the moment and, um, and feel confident that even if we can't find each other, it's okay. Yeah. And that's, we've even considered having a party with the awkward title of a free agent party. Mm -hmm. And so looking back at that experience that we had at the, at the party that I was talking about earlier, where things were going so well with that woman, there was a problem because I knew that Kate wasn't attractive to her husband. And so I'm constantly doing the calculation in my mind to say, oh, by getting involved with this woman, am I signing Kate up for an obligation with her husband? And so the idea of a secret agent or a secret agent, <laughs> a, um, 
free agent. A free agent party would be everyone knows. Like if you're connecting with someone, it doesn't mean you can't have a foursome as two sets of couples, but you're it's just about you and that person and that you're not signing up because that's been a big thing. I know at sex clubs a lot. Someone's come on to me and I just I'm I'm just immediately before I even respond to that touch, who are you with? Do you think me uh, accepting what you're offering means that my wife has to accept your husband. Mm -hmm. And so it's a real complication. So we haven't had that party. I don't know if we could explain it in a way that would make sense, but it's been on my mind. That's yeah. yeah. I mean, that's something that I've really enjoyed about having orgies or group sex is uh, you, that pressure of a four-way connection is, is most of the time not there. And so you can have a connection with one person or maybe two people from different couples and like have it, that threesome or whatever works in that, that dynamic. But it's nice not to have that expectation that the four of you have to like play at that night. I mean, you can, that's great, but that's a situation that's worked pretty well for us in the past. Yeah. 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 And I think the idea for a secret agent party would be a lot of fun too. <laughs> yeah. Where you have, you have one person there who's not a swinger and, yeah. and everybody has to figure out who they are by hitting on everybody else. And then when they get it right, they have to like flip out and go nuts and storm out of the room. Oh, jeez. Yes. And so many overcoats. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But it's So we're clearly on to something here. Yeah. We're going to throw some hella good theme parties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you guys have a couple pieces of advice you'd want to share with new people getting into this? Like you maybe that you wish you wouldn't have known back at the beginning. I know that you both came into this at the beginning of your relationship, but something you might have wanted to know then. Well, I think um, for me, it's about being fluid and um, not setting too many rules and boundaries up in advance, because that's one way to lead to disappointment or hurt. So I'd say just um, if it's in your nature, go with the flow and, you know, make sure you're checking in with your partner, but don't set up a lot of hard and fast rules at the outset. Because when you get into a situation, you're going to find that you're bumping up against those rules and that can make the evening difficult or uncomfortable. Um, so just agree at, at the beginning. If, if there are um, hard limits that you need to set, um, you know, talk about them in advance and, and, and make sure you're in agreement. Um, but if you can avoid that, just go in and have fun and, um, and don't worry about, you know, are we, are we just soft swap or are we allowed to play on the first date or, you know, whatever, just, um, just go with it and have fun and let it be organic and, um, don't force anything that's not happening naturally. Don't artificially stop something that felt really fantastic and be free. And, you know, again, forgive each other after if, um, any of that ends up being painful or difficult. So. Yeah. I think the other thing too is, we're very lucky in that, as far as I can tell, our appetites are identical, but um, spending lots of time talking, not about rules or things like that, but just about scenarios that turn you on, just get you into that headspace and can highlight issues where one of the, one, one of the parties might have a problem. Mm-hmm. And so I think that um, that's a fun thing to do, and it also actually serves a purpose in the relationship and will help you later. We certainly spent even... You know, even having eased into it with Kate's friend was still a big leap to go to a sex club 
and to go to a resort like Hedonism and have the experiences there and then later on have parties and all that investment in talking, which we didn't think of as investment at the time, I think served us really, really well. Yeah. And don't go into it if there's a disparity in terms of um, one person wanting it more than the other. So if, um, if one person feels like they're being dragged into it or um, if they think that they're doing it to save the relationship, it's not going to be a positive experience. You have to go in there equally driven, equally um, you know, motivated to do this. And it's not going to save your relationship if it's in trouble. Yeah, because we've seen those people too. Yeah, yeah. it's clear. not working. And yeah, I think it's, got- I think it's an important distinction to make that that's not necessary to say that you have to have equal libidos, because no. I I think this is actually maybe a a good solution for people who do have offs you know off balanced mismatched libidos where you know maybe the guys like hey you know I'm. I'm I'm okay with her going and get as much as she wants. I'm happy to watch, and it takes actually takes some of the pressure off of him, or vice versa. So, just don't want people to get confused that you need to be into it equally, but not in having the same libido level. Mm-hmm. So, right, yeah, yeah. At least that's my opinion. Oh, for sure. I, I think that makes I'm- a lot of sense. <laughs> uh, I know we mentioned Dan Savage, but do you guys have any other like resources you'd want to share with the listeners? I and your blog, of course, we'll link to that <laughs> on the show notes. Um, I'm a big fan of Esther Perel, um, just as a general relationship advice kind of person. She's very open-minded about um, sexual, um, you know, dynamics, but she doesn't explicitly support non-monogamy. Um, but I think she and her um, her series of podcasts on um, like she has different counseling sessions where she talks to people who have had different issues in their relationships. We found that very rich um, podcast to listen to together, even though we don't have the, the relationship problems that these people have. There are so many good pieces of advice and so many transferable skills that, um, that she gives these people that we've really enjoyed that. And it's completely like non lifestyle. Right. And then what's the, what's the name of her podcast? Um, if you can't remember, we'll find, we'll we'll find find it. it. Or Esther Perel. Um, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's a funny title. So we'll get it for you and you can put it in your, I'll find it. Don't worry about it. And then it's free on audible. (laughs) Another thing for me is, um, I've been very successful in my business career, partly because I'm a first-class suck-up. And so I would say the Normalizing Non-Monogamy podcast (laughs) is also a tremendous source of information. So um, Kate has gotten into just listening to different podcasts as kind of something, uh, as a way to connect with other people who are involved. And really your format of talking to different people, people who are, are podcasters themselves and then people who aren't, and just having that open conversation is a great way that's maybe less directed than some other ways of hearing about it, where now you're not going to read about someone talking about, you know, five points to make a better relationship or a better experience, but just the kind of wisdom that just can only come out through talking. So, yeah, we're actually sincerely, even though I'm a first class suck up, this time I actually mean it. <laughs> that was some first class sucking you did. <laughs> And I mean that sincerely. So yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and I satisfied. And and we appreciate. It. And I I did want to flip that on you guys and say, 
to anyone listening, like we, we have met you guys in person and we spent um, countless hours one weekend just talking to you guys at different restaurants and bars and the, the amount of information that you guys were able to share and the wisdom and everything and you guys pack a lot of that into your blog and I think I haven't ever read one of your posts that I was like, meh, not really worth my time. So I think that Oh no, not at all. People should definitely check it out. It's really good information. You guys are really well spoken, really well written. So we're gonna put a link to that and it's called the monogamishmarriage.com, right? Right. So yeah. Thank we you will, very much. Oh, absolutely. And thank you guys for coming on. It was a blast and we could honestly make this like a four hour show, but we'll <laughs> got to cut it a little shorter than we'll, that. <laughs> we'll spare the listeners. So, <laughs> what'd you say? Nobody wants that. <laughs> we'll come back for round two in a couple of weeks or something. So, yeah, we'll try to do something spectacularly interesting in the meantime to make it worthwhile. Excellent. Well, I heard the party you guys have planned for Kate to be the the service for everybody. So, yeah. Yeah, that's still that's still in the conceptual stage. There's some hurdles to this. Could be the time. We'll see. Yeah. Okay. We'll see. We'll report back. We'll (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you guys again. It was awesome chatting, and we will definitely be in touch. Yes. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. It's us again. Both of us. (laughs) Yes, you're here. Thanks again to Mike and Kate for talking with us. We had a wonderful time and we cannot more highly recommend their blog. It's wonderful and very, very well written with full of lots of amazing information. And hot pictures. Yes, exactly. My favorite part. You don't read it for the articles? Well, I read it for the articles too, but anyway. So next week (laughs) we've got an exciting week. We're doing a double header. Woohoo! We have two really, really cool interviews with, um, it's actually three different people, and all of them are in some form or another sex workers. Yeah. So on Monday, we're releasing a special release episode with Alice Little, who is a professional sex worker at the Bunny Ranch in Nevada. And the other one is with two sex workers who actually have just recently started a podcast. Yep, their podcast is called Two Married Sluts. Yeah, so Tristan and Bowie, they're fantastic people with lots of good information, so we will be talking to them on our normal Wednesday time slot. Yep, we are excited for both of those interviews. It should be a great week. It is going to be a badass week, and we look forward to (laughs) seeing... Are you going to start singing now? That's a new Someone thing. has to show a little emotion on I this show podcast. a lot of emotion. You hear me laughing all the time. I laugh more than you laugh. <laughs> you just can't hear it. I don't think anyone's listening to this anymore anyway. Good. All right. Let's go to bed. Okay. Bye, everyone. <laughs>